Welcome to Monthly Auto, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today we put some overtime hours into the office as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and come now to the 10th chapter, Mayhem at the Ministry. Now, Josh, I see this chapter as a little bit of a transition, right? Uh, from this big, giant opening kind of event of the book uh, to sort of launch us into the story and kind of Hogwarts life, right? Like the kind of at-school life. And uh, so we kind of get the, you know, they've arrived home and and Mrs. Weasley is is very happy that, you know, everyone's okay, especially especially Fred and George, who she yelled at. That's right. She's got some major guilt issues when it comes to... <laughs> Um, how she left things with Fred and George. And and this really will bring to end one of the longer and certainly the longest so far of our times away from Hogwarts, right? Mm. Um, if we if we think about it, you know, this this section right here, these 10 chapters would be close to the length of, of half of the first first two books, you know, either one of those books. And so um, crazy. it's a significant amount of time because it's you know, such an important event that we start with. But Exactly right. Transitioning into some of the more familiar places and uh, into, surprise, surprise, another really big ministry event, which they are yeah. also going to have a pretty serious mishap. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, I like what you, you said there with the um, this being pretty much, you know, like half the first books it's like it just shows you how much the the readers have you know grown up right and she um can expect more from her readers uh jk rowling and you know expect more but also deliver more you know a more kind of Mm. intense compelling and maybe a bit more older of a kind of a a set of chapters uh for for that opening so it does really put into perspective when you yeah when you look at it like oh i'm just reading half a book for the opening of this, you know, of this new book. So, uh, but yeah, we definitely are going to see some more mayhem from the ministry in the sense of there'd, there'd be a bit of mayhem that, that comes after this uh, upcoming uh, event that this book is is really all, all about. Um, but I do love how uh, Fred and George lean into the fact that their mom feels guilty and uh, kind of, you know, start uh, start mentioning, well, mom, come off it. You know, what if we died tomorrow? You know, like that sort of thing. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's what any good son would do. Without a doubt. <laughs> Let's jump into it, Josh. There is a mad dash to leave the Quidditch World Cup, and the Weasleys manage to catch an early port key back to the borough. A worried Mrs. Weasley rushes out of the house to greet them, daily profit in hand. The newspaper had informed her of the previous night's events and sparked her anxiety. Arthur looks through the relevant article and, to his dismay, witnesses that Rita Skeeter is up to her usual tricks. The ministry has received all the blame for the chaos, and Mr. Weasley even managed to score himself a veiled reference and quote. The result of the mayhem and the Daily Prophet's magnification of the event is that Percy and Arthur, along with other ministry employees, are needed to work overtime throughout the rest of the summer holidays. Percy notes that one of the particular challenges of this time is the amount of howlers he received, and because of their time-sensitive nature, his desk has borne the brunt of their explosions. As he awaits Sirius's reply, Harry tells Ron and Hermione about his scar incident, and their reactions are typical. They agree with Harry's decision to inform his godfather. Sadly, Hedwig is nowhere to be seen. While the trio and Ginny get ready for their return to Hogwarts, Fred and George are engaged in their first serious work in living memory. Much to everyone's disappointment, the nature of their work remains a secret. As the school year fast approaches, Ron discovers a surprise parcel among his things. Unfortunately for him, the package contains an ancient-looking dress robe. Harry, too, finds new dress robes, but his appear quite stylish, unlike Ron's. 
lace covered hand-me-downs i really i really love that whole uh scene and uh you know maybe maybe we get more into it when it comes to world building and and talking about what dress robes are but i i do really love the scene with mrs weasley and uh and ron getting those mm. second hand robes it's both sad but it's uh it's funny the comments that the mother makes because uh i can just uh hear my own mother you know maybe saying the the same type of comments if uh if i was ungrateful for for something like this yeah yeah. Um, and so it definitely makes me smile every time I uh, read or, or listen to that part in the in the book, uh, just because yeah, it's something that there's always got to be those moments in the book that establish the difference between Harry and Ron, you know, with with the kind of the financial mm. difference, and just to re-emphasize the point that the the Weasleys are, you know, they can't afford really new things um they've got you know a lot of kids and a lot of things that they're uh, that they're doing and they just don't have that kind of income and so just you know this moment here just it cements a little bit more about ron and and you know just being fed up and sick sick of kind of the family's uh financial state and not being able to have sort of new things and uh, and then harry that comment that he makes in the book as well where he's kind of like you know i would give them half of my my money essentially if they would actually take it but they he, he knows that they would they would not accept yeah and, and this is this is where harry takes probably a fair fair bit of criticism from from the internet uh, community about why why on earth did he not help the weasleys more financially mm. um and and it's a bit of a throwaway line we think okay maybe they wouldn't have taken it but you know surely surely harry could have hired himself uh a bit of a, a goblin help to help launder his money somehow, so that all of a sudden Arthur Weasley gets a you know a twenty five percent raise without anybody quite knowing how or why. I don't know. He has um, some sort of alley transition. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it's it's not up to a um, a thirteen year old or a fourteen year old to help help fund his his parents or his, his friend's parents' finances, but he he does have that desire and. Yeah, he he clearly is uncomfortable with with the situation it puts him in, and in this book, you know, it, it happens repeatedly, and it's one of I think the 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 sources of tension between Ron and and Harry. Obviously, the biggest one is um, when when Ron doesn't believe Harry that he didn't enter the the Triwizard Tournament, but but even that, the reason why Ron is so upset is because he thinks that Harry's going to get the prize money, right? That's like Ron's not concerned with glory. Ron wants the thousand galleons, and yeah, and exactly. You know, it'll happen with the Leprechaun gold. It just keeps coming up again, right? Yeah, and I think I think that is is got to be one of the things that Rowling uses to maybe sort of yeah emotionally drive a wedge through you know the characters right like just to add mm. the cherry on the top of that kind of you know friendship I guess you know not not breakup in a way but more just sort of separation for a time that happens between Harry and yeah. Ron you know because this is that kind of real first real conflict between these two friends you know in this in this fourth book right and it's the it's it's something really you know quite quite big and you know the, the boys don't quite know how to deal with it they don't talk to each other they they use an owl i mean sorry hermione and uh <laughs> you know and so it's just like yeah it's 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 one of those things that is cleverly used to just maybe further get ron in this state of thinking like oh harry got it you know he could have at least told me how to like get mm. in and and i could have had a chance yeah. at maybe the thousand galleons and so it it's cleverly put in there and it builds, uh, uh, you know, maybe Ron up ready for that mm. sort mm. of break in their friendship. Yeah. And one of the neat things, like, is that what Rowling will do in really in 
books books three and four especially is to kind of separate the characters so that we get a, a bit of a different perspective. You know, it's not as though there's harmony between the the friends, you know, that exists without interruption. But um, in, in the previous book, there's a lot of, of issues between uh, Ron and Hermione, and, and Harry really is the, the go-between uh, between them. And uh, and now in, in this book, there's the first significant division between Ron and, and Harry. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, if we're thinking of key themes, Josh, for this chapter, mm. w- what would you land on? Because as a sort of a, a yeah. chapter that transitions from one thing to the to the next, we're kind of in the middle here. And I didn't know if it was quite fear and mm. panic because one of the brothers, as well as uh, Mr. Weasley, actually has to that, you know, they've got to go into work, right? And so, yeah, it's just like, is it that? Is it is it the theme mayhem? You know, pull it from the pull it from the mm, chapter title. Mm. What what would you say that this chapter is the core theme? Yeah, I I think you know, fear and panic is is definitely a good one. But uh, maybe even summarizing a bit more would be a very general theme of uh, consequences. Mm. Um, you know, that this is a chapter that really shows us what happens as a result of the previous chapter's mayhem, right? So we have yeah, yeah. Um, fear is a, a consequence for, for Mrs. Weasley of reading about it. Panic is a consequence for Percy and Arthur of all that's going on. Yeah. Um, you even have, this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but you even have Ron with his dress robes dealing with the consequence of being poor. Yeah. And, yeah. and because of the transition chapter, all of the different threads that kind of lead into it are, are shown to, have their impact and their effect and their result or their consequence on, on the different characters. Yeah, no, I think that sort of sums it up quite, quite nicely as a transition chapter uh, to have it as uh, as consequences because there are things that they're, they're dealing with right to mm. have to yeah. have to get through um overcome and uh, and and we see how they they deal with them and then before you know it in the next chapter harry ron and hermione there and and uh, and the other the weasley kids are are off the hogwarts right and and they yeah. start afresh in a way definitely and so when we look at the characters that we uh, have have developed or are developing in this in this chapter the the big one that's mentioned is uh, is Rita Skeeter. So not much information is given except some sort of comments made about her, and uh, and that she's the one you know who who wrote the article in the uh, the Daily Prophet. But you know she is a reporter for the Daily Prophet, and she's known for her uh, exposés and and kind of critiques of the Ministry of Magic. Right? You know that's what that's what probably sells is that kind of like uh, critiquing mm. critiquing others. And um, we'll later learn as she becomes more of a character this is just rolling setting her up right um and uh, kind of leaving us with a taste in our mouths of kind of like okay people don't like rita you know they you know she maybe like just yeah rubs them the wrong way and stuff so i uh, i think she or, or or they they love rita until they themselves are exposed <laughs> Ooh, that is yeah exactly they love the dirt she digs up on others but as soon yeah. as that's maybe you know, um, you know, dug up on them, which is probably say, if the Ministry of Magic's a target, then you know, maybe other people love Rita Skeeter, but people who work at the Ministry are like, oh no, not yeah. Rita. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I think you know, sensible people see the problem with Rita from from the beginning, right? But you know, you meet somebody like Aunt Muriel in in the final book, and she's just thrilled with Rita Skeeter. She thinks, oh, how yeah. how great Rita Skeeter <laughs> really you know, get, getting us the dirt on Dumbledore. And, mm. uh, but, you know, people, sensible people like, like Bill, like Arthur, they, they really know what, what Rita's all yeah. about. Yeah. And, uh, and 
like it's that quick quotes quill which we we see you know later on and oh, um, that that does its writing and it's almost troublesome. like it has its mind of its own but it's like that's the oh, thing yeah. like that like stretches the truth and kind of you know skirts that line of like what's what's actually you know news what what's actually worth reporting on it and how can i like elevate this to make it sound you know better um, you know adding some some more uh, descriptive words in there and and i love how it um, makes uh, you know harry seem so sad about the tragedy long forgotten his past or, or whatever those words are you know they they just make harry sound so like he's uh you know crying into a tissue while he's giving this interview to to rita skeeter so that comes that comes later but it is you know she is set up as a character in this in this chapter just to kind of get it so we get a taste for her and uh, apart mm. from that you know hermione granger she's her fight for the, the house elves that just keeps fueling yeah. right and uh, and it Continuous. develops yeah. yeah, and so that's gonna that's gonna explode out her mouth as spew, right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. And uh, but Ron, we we mentioned Ron with his um, you know, hating the secondhand robes and the fact that he is poor, and so that establishes him a little bit further, getting ready, as we mentioned, to um to maybe have that be a contributing factor to the, that break in friendship, and everything's just you know come too much and and i just need a break from harry right now because he's you know clearly in the wrong which totally totally not uh, you know on on harry's side but uh, um the one that i think is also worth maybe just talking josh and be interested to to you know hear your thoughts on this but it's like percy weasley do you feel like this is a very visible and sort of uh, a part of him almost starting to separate more from his family and align himself more with the Ministry of Magic? Well, I think you, I think you see that break with his um, willingness to criticize his father rather than criticize Rita Skeeter. Yeah. Like, um, the, and, and even just the, the fact that he's unable to just to read the situation and think, okay, you know, if, if I'm going to... Um, even hold some opinions that maybe that wasn't the best plan of action for my father. Why on earth would I criticize him in this way? And um, yes. I, I think, yeah, his, his blind allegiance to the ministry is really starting to show through here. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that tension, that tension is building, but Josh, now we, we switched to world building, but what, what are dress robes? What, why would, why would these, yeah. uh, these students need dress robes? Mm. Mm. Well, like we know that they need dress robes even more than they know at this point because yes. it's for the, the Yule Ball. Uh, but what are dress robes? I, I still am a bit unsure myself. <laughs> just fancy, fancified school robes, right? Like they already have school yeah, robes, well, but they're just fancified and maybe a bit of a color, which which Harry's sound quite nice. They bring it, you know, the, the emerald green apparently brings out the color of his eyes. Well, and this is what's confusing is what, what do you need to wear under robes? I feel like mm. that is a, left left to various interpretations in the movies you know how, how much oh, of a piece of clothing are robes are robes like merely an academic gown type thing where you wear pretty much a full set of clothes underneath or um, when Hermione wears dress robes that's interpreted by the movie as she's wearing like a ball gown yes. um, so we are very unsure I think of what dress robes are yeah I I do love I do love that it in the movies it almost looks like uh, an 80s shaggy carpet is what Ron is wearing oh, right it's just so good it's so good but the, there's a there's the those great those great quotes that come out of this chapter when Ron is sort of dialoguing with his his, his mom about 
what these robes are. And he goes, mom, you've given me Ginny's new dress, uh, which is hilarious <laughs> to, to imagine Ginny wearing, you know, what Ron ends up wearing. Um, but, uh, you know, holds it out. And, and of course I haven't said Mrs. Weasley, that's for you dress robes. And then it kind of escalates to the point where she just gets frustrated at Ron's kind of pushback and just fine snapped Mrs. Weasley go naked. And Harry, make sure you get a picture <laughs> of him. Goodness knows I could do with a laugh. And I think that just uh, it all it just makes us love uh, Mrs. Weasley just that much more. Uh, just the kind of the final kind of like I've had it up to here. I've tried, and and you got to think that's that's really tough as a as a mom, you know, to like be in yeah. the brunt of you know being like I'm I'm frustrated with our situation as well. Like I wish I could give you new dress robes, son, but I just can't. And I think that that um, yeah that. I guess, yeah, but a bit of dialogue just must have must have hurt her a little bit in that moment, just being like, well, you know, I'm I can't do anything about it right now. Like we're trying, and uh, and so it's 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 hard for her. Yeah, and I, I think that's what yeah what kind of shows Ron's immaturity is that Ron's mm. not able to understand that surprise, Ron. Everybody in your family is dealing with this issue, right? Yes, um, yes. He, he really feels like he's the only one, and that people are almost out to get him rather than realizing yeah. that hang on a second, my parents no doubt are making a lot more sacrifices to even give me what I do have. Yes, He's yeah, not exactly. quite at that place yet. He, he, he sees Harry's eyes, you know, being complimented so well by his emerald green dress robes, and he's thinking, I want that. <laughs> he's like, Harry's eyes look so beautiful. Of course those dress robes will suit him. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I Come think, on, Mom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what color eyes uh, Ron has, but he's, you know, he's like, Come on, why, why don't I have some like bottle blue robes uh, to match my beautiful eyes? Um, but well, that's, uh, a, that's such a classic rallying description. I feel like many things are, are bottle blue. Yes. Yeah. I, and that's where I get it from. I'm like bottle blue. I would never describe anything as bottle blue, but I, no, no, no. I, I yeah, there you go. It's uh, it's interesting. You know, reading reading books gives us obviously uh, increases our, our vocabulary, and even things like bottle blue and descriptions of color. Yeah. One of uh, yeah. one of the things that you mentioned just about his immaturity, Josh. I I thought that was quite good because this whole book maybe it shows that the immaturity of of Ron with his, you know, breakup with Harry mm. and being immature about that. This whole kind of book is, is, you know, that character development for Ron maybe is becoming more mature is, is, you know, and, and obviously for all of the yeah. characters, they're all young. They're all becoming more mature as they grow older, but I don't know, maybe it's just more visible for, for Ron in this time as we see some of these things in the, in the, these first, you know, chapters um, before we actually really get into the meat of the story that yeah ron has a a, a long way to go uh, and uh, he's a you know he's a bit of a project he's you know he uh, he yeah. needs to be yeah. worked out when it when it comes to to his his maturity yeah i appreciate like how how kind you are to ron you said things very delicately and i like well, i just i didn't want him <laughs> you know going off at me and then i'd have to snap back at him like mrs weasley did and you know i i don't want that he's already yeah. been through the the wars no. in this uh, chapter a little bit right. so we'll uh we'll that's leave right that. for, a, for a 13 year old there's there's really nothing more important than than looking good right 
Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, you've, he's got to impress, uh, you know, old uh, Lavender Brown, right? And, uh, right. you know, oh, Lav Lav, I should, I should say, um, and uh, make sure that uh, he impresses his future, uh, future wife, unknowingly being Hermione. But uh, I think Hermione is smart enough to look beyond just, um, you know, maybe some secondhand robes and see the, uh, the yeah. beautiful ginger inside. Uh, but anyway, well, um, well, I think we can, I think we can confidently say that um, if this book was all that Ron had to impress Hermione, uh, he would never get married to Hermione. Uh, yes. Because Ron, Ron comes off pretty poor in this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. It's like, uh, you know, he's treating, he's treating Hermione as uh, his future wife as uh, you know, as a messenger. Uh, and, uh, and it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not, uh, not nice. So, Thankfully, Ron has a chance to prove himself in battle and uh, through trial uh, in future books to come to maybe, you know, soften his appearance to uh, Hermione there, which is pretty good. Uh, any literary devices, Josh, that we, we see here? Like, I, I wouldn't add anything other than your mention of a, a transition chapter. And mm. uh, I think that's the main one. Uh, it's, it's nothing nothing too too deep or, or special to talk about, but uh, it is important because it takes us from one major uh, starting point for this book and brings us to where we'll kind of camp for the rest of the... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I put that sort of, you know, um, I was thinking about that under significance, right? The significance of this chapter mm. is that we're sort of, you know, winding down from this, you know, big inciting incident of the the, the first part of the book yeah. with uh, with going to the, uh, the, the Quidditch World Cup and everything that's happened there. And then we sort of, yeah, transition from that into just regular and I, I you know I, I stress regular because there's nothing really regular about Harry Ron and Hermione being at Hogwarts um, uh, because so much changes but their kind of normal life at, at Hogwarts uh, and that begins and so that kind of is probably the the significant part of this chapter as well as obviously with that that literary device being a, a transition any foreshadowing yeah. from you Josh all the foreshadowing that we've mentioned is is very slight um, but yeah. it, it is worth pointing out again the the mm. foreshadowing of the um, of the money issues um, that is going to play a big role in this yeah. book between Ron and Harry, and again the foreshadowing of um, the strained relationship and eventually breaking off between Percy and his family. I'd say those would be the two main foreshadowing, although much more um, uh, hidden and veiled. But, but those would be the two big things. Definitely, yeah. And I've got a question for you, Josh. Would you find that because Ron's from such a a, a big family? I don't know if I've, I've asked you this, but how, how do you think you would you would cope being kind of in, in a part of you know a family with lots of siblings? You know, we're both from mm. families of of you know similar size on the smaller end. You know, and and yeah. but like, do you you know do you think would would you like would you have liked that? Would you know would that have mm. been nice? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's kind of impossible to to say just because it would have been obviously so different than what what you would have grown up with. I think mm. that what is interesting, like maybe this isn't quite the answer you're looking for, but as you look at the Weasley family, you know, only Ron really seems to be greatly affected by the financial issues. Yeah, as, well, as you look at all the other, yeah, and I, I think that's probably coming more so from the fact that he has a real inferiority complex with you know, with his family, you know, Ginny's the only girl and then above him are all these really impressive brothers in one way or another. And so, um, you know, I do feel for Ron, but I think that um, as far as, you know, how would I do in a, a large family with maybe less people around to each person? I'd like to think I'd do well, but Ron kind of is, is our bit of a, 
you know, a, a warning to all of us who think <laughs> we might do better than we think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like friend, friend George are ambitious, um, I think, as a result of, of not having a lot of money, but they don't complain like Ron does. Mm, yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's a good point because that's where Fred and George maybe have a bit of drive coming from that being like, we want to, yeah. we want to come out of this. We want to, you know, we've got to use our sort of brains to see how we can, you know, move from our situation, right? Mm. Let's not just, you know, uh, kind of put pity on ourselves and, and just sort of stay here. It's like, no, let's do something about it. Um, which uh, I definitely value about uh, Fred and George and, and sort of their joke shop idea and some of their inventions yeah. and that. It's that entrepreneurship that's it's just very impressive. Well, and I think the other thing to consider is, and it's a bit, I mean, it probably sounds a bit cheesy, but um, while the Weasleys don't have a lot of you know, monetary wealth, they're the envy of so many characters in, in the love that they have and the familial mm. wealth that they have, right? Now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I don't, I don't know if I would do so well with like a huge family myself. I mean, I'm the, I'm the youngest uh, out of my siblings anyway. So I, I feel like maybe I might have a, a bit of Ron in me if, uh, if I was part yeah. of a, a big family. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not too sure. And, and we, the hard thing is we only see Ron and his reactions so much because he's Harry's best friend. And the story is essentially told yeah. through Harry and in Harry's head with the uh, limited omniscience that it's like told in. Right. So we yeah. only, yeah. You know, if Harry's not in a room, we usually don't see or hear that type of uh, conversation or see the, the results of anything. So, you know, if Fred and George were frustrated at anything, um, you know, a hand-me-down thing or whatever, we, we wouldn't see that. So it's, it's probably safe to say that maybe, you know, all of the Weasleys at some point have dealt with a little bit of that that frustration of, of monies, maybe like, and I said, money's low um, money, um, but maybe not so much. Maybe like, it's like old, old timey. Like you got the monies. I've got them. I've got all the monies. Uh, Ron, however, does not have any of the monies, but uh, Very like, few monies, few of the monies. Uh, yeah. Monies. He did not have um, the, uh, the older siblings, <laughs> right. They probably wouldn't have doubt as much because they were the older siblings. And so maybe, Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Bill and Charlie weren't quite, you know, that affected by it. And, uh, and it is more the, the younger ones. So as it goes down, it, it would be interesting, you know, to see, you know, Ginny probably doesn't have to deal as much with that because she's the only girl, right? And uh, they kind yeah. of have to buy her, uh, you know, new clothes or, or whatever. Um, but she probably, well, I guess she probably still could have secondhand yeah. things. But anyway, aside a side kind of thought that I was just, uh, you know, thinking about being like, how would you fear in a big family? Maybe some of our listeners yeah, I don't come know. from big yeah. families um, and maybe some of them are kind of, you know, that second to last age like Ron is. And uh, it'd be interesting to, to hear from, hear from them actually how, uh, how basically, it is. Basically what you're asking Blake is for our listeners to tell us and be really honest if they're as annoying as Ron is. Right. Yes, that's that's what I'm trying to you know get them to, to say. No. Are you yeah. are you a, a, as annoyed? Have you had a moment with your mother where uh, she has snapped at you and told you that you can you know go naked and uh, you know then uh, for for your friend to take a photo because uh, you know the mom could do with a laugh. So if uh, if you've had that happen to you, just like Ron has, well then uh, yeah, you got to let us know. But anyway, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're an Apple user, don't forget to leave a rating and review. Your support helps keep the magic alive. You can send us questions on our Instagram, email, or website, muffleoutofpodcast.com. 
to continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 11th chapter of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire aboard the Hogwarts Express.